Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Thursday, February 1st. Our top story today, the Visit Kent boss has told MPs it's vital the county's reputation isn't damaged when new EU travel rules come into force. The entry and exit system is due to be introduced later this year and will involve passports being scanned. It's led to concerns about queues at the Port of Dover, with some suggesting delays of up to 14 hours. Deidre Wells says it could deter day trippers coming here from Europe. To put it in context, um, the visitor economy is worth just under £4 billion to Kent, but to the UK and England as a whole, it's about £45 billion. So it's, 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 it's big bucks. Um, and I think for us, there are three key areas of concern. First is, which might sound counterintuitive coming from the chief executive of Visit Kent, is outbound traffic, because actually um, France um, is the second biggest market for UK holidaymakers, and the disruption to them at peak times could be quite significant. But actually, the perception of Kent as a county that mm. can um, welcome those transiting visitors, and that is big business for us, is quite significant. On the sort of domestic um, and international tourism side, um, we surveyed our businesses um, last year, and um, you know, 13% of them said they had significant impact um, of, of Operation Bulk. Now, that mightn't sound a huge amount, but um, bearing in mind that most um, tourism businesses will seek to secure between 50, up to 50% of their um, tradings on pe- at peak times. So when you have, like we did last year, um, significant uh, disruption during the first week of the Easter holidays, some of our leading attractions lost 50% of their takings in one week. And that was deemed to be 50% of their annual takings because obviously of the peaks and troughs of the season. Um, So the the impact on domestic travel, the perception that Kent is in gridlock has huge immediate impact for our our businesses, for, for day visitors, for domestic travel. But the really worrying thing from our perspective is that long-term reputational damage. And again, not just for Kent, but for the uh, UK as a whole. Um, the media coverage of Kent being a car park, you know, we all saw it for, for many um, repeat um, library pictures that went on and on um, last year. And that not only impacts our reputation, it comes up time and time again in our perception research for future visits. But only last week I was at a trade fair um, with you know hundreds of buyers from all over the world, really keen to to feature Kent, um, but for key markets like um, Holland and Scandinavia, a number of them have said that they'd taken Kent and the UK out of their itineraries because they were worried about uh, a congestion. Kent Online News. A number of asylum seekers have been pulled from the water during a rescue operation in the Channel. Lifeboat crews were sent to help people off the Kent coast yesterday. More than a 1,000 refugees have made the dangerous journey so far this year. Police searching for a missing man from Chatham have found a body. 72-year-old Peter Bruce had last been seen on Monday morning. Officers say a body was found in Gravesend and the death is not currently being treated as suspicious. Class A drugs, cash and a mobile phone have been seized after police stopped 
stopped a car in Chatham. The damaged vehicle was spotted on New Road on Friday. A man and a woman were also arrested. He's since been charged and is due back in court later this month. A woman's gone on trial accused of killing a man in a hit and run in Chatham. 72-year-old Bill Roach was knocked down at a pedestrian crossing on New Road in August of 2020. Naomi North, who's 30 and from Church Road in Swanscombe, has pleaded not guilty to causing death by dangerous driving. The Prime Minister's urged bosses in Medway to do more to save jobs at risk at Chatham Docks. It's after plans were submitted to redevelop the site and companies were told their leases would end in 2025. This is what MP Kelly Tolhurst had to say at PMQs. Chatham Docks supports over 800 local high-value jobs which are at risk as the owners are continuing in their pursuit to display successful businesses such as ArcelorMittal Kentwire. The Labour Council are failing to honour the commitment they made before the local elections to protect the docks and the jobs, even their leader. The Right Honourable Member for Holborn and St Pancras said he was proudly backing Save Chatham Docks campaign. Will my Right Honourable Friend meet with me to see how we can protect the docks and save those jobs for my constituents? And isn't this just another example of how Labour and their leaders change their position depending on which way the wind blows? Mr Speaker, my honourable friend has been a constant champion of Chatham Docks and I am disappointed to hear that the local Labour Council are failing to honour the commitments that, they're ma- that they've made. But also, she points out, I'm not surprised to see that the Leader of the Opposition has said one thing and then consequently done another. The Docks support hundreds of jobs and I join with her in calling on the Council to rethink their approach. Kent Online News. A flood alert's in force in part of Kent because of the high tide this morning. It's feared a large surge could cause problems for Sheppey as well as areas around Faversham. The Environment Agency are urging people to take extra care on low-lying land, promenades and coastal footpaths. A new reports raise concerns about the water quality in some of Kent's rivers. According to the Angling Trust, Medway and Swale have some of the highest phosphate levels in the country. Chris Kent is from the organisation. He's been telling us why it's so dangerous. There are a number of different sources of uh, phosphate, either agricultural. Uh, phosphate is a uh, nutrient that farmers use to um, to uh, grow, help grow crops. Uh, and then the other major source of uh, phosphate is uh, the sewage uh, treatment industry. Um, it's a, a chemical that comes through in sewage effluent uh, and also gets discharged in raw sewage when um, uh, when we get excessive uh, rainfall events. And we're worried about phosphate because uh, phosphate leads to um, what they call eutrophication, uh, which is nutrient enrichment. Uh, And it's a bit like on your garden. If you put too much fertilizer, um, uh, plants go mad. uh, And that's what we find in our rivers, uh, particularly with things like algae. Uh, You get what they call algal blooms, uh, which can be toxic. And when those algal blooms collapse, Uh, They basically eat up all the oxygen in the river uh, and that can kill fish and invertebrates uh, and have a huge impact on the river ecology. Uh, They can also change what they call assemblages. So those are the mixtures of plants and uh, insects and fish within the river uh, because different species um, are more or less tolerant to uh, excessive phosphate levels. So uh, it can lead to significant changes in the river ecology. 
when you get sewage discharges, you know, you can see the sewage litter, you can see the the things floating in the river that shouldn't be there. It's a very obvious problem. Uh, whereas things like nutrient are invisible to people, so they, they don't realise they're there, they don't realise they're an issue. Um, and I think the key thing is that we, we keep talking to people about uh, these issues. We keep publishing the data that evidences uh, the, the problems we have. Uh, we keep talking to the people who can and should be making a difference to our waterways and also pe helping people to understand even if they can't see the the, the pollution how it might be um, uh, affecting them um, and you know as anglers we're particularly concerned about what affects fish and, and fishing but other water users dog walkers uh, wild swimmers paddlers um, canoeists you know need to be aware of the things that are going into our rivers that shouldn't be there uh, and that, you know, in some cases can affect human health. And, and we've seen lots of evidence of that happening in in recent years. So, you know, it is a it's a it's a concern for us as anglers, but it should be a concern for for, for all people who, you know, use our rivers, but also uh, enjoy, you know, what should be, you know, pristine natural environments. We're being reminded of the dangers of speeding as Kent Police share some of the excuses given by drivers caught going too fast. Figures show more than 76,000 offences were recorded by the force last year. PC Steve Wade has been out on patrol on the M20. Certain roads that we'll find within our county um, are unique because they lead down towards the ports. Um, and certainly in this case, uh, we've got someone who's uh, come back from uh, being on, on holiday. Uh, they've been on the road for 14 hours uh, and now they're they're trying to get back to their destination in, in, in Wales. Um, and, and as we explained, what starts happening is you're not thinking about the bigger picture. Your mindset now is, I've been on the road a long time, I'm, I'm, I need to get home now. Uh, and this is why we start getting uh, uh, some, some of the higher, higher speeds. So in, in, in this case, um, gentleman, um, he's been skiing down in the Alps um, and uh, for, for him now, he's tired um, and his average speed as he's been going down the uh, quite a busy carriageway at that time is 92 miles an hour. Um, for that, it, it is unacceptable, um, not only um, due to the, the, the speed, but the manner of driving that we observed as well, um, that, that we are behind other vehicles, we are tailgating them, we're trying to bully our way past them. Uh, and uh, we, we, uh, we have to step in, we have to educate and we have to enforce in those uh, situations um, before they cause, um, cause an accident. Uh, and um, the gentleman there, uh, he has already been caught for speeding uh, in the past uh, and as we we said sometime the attitude of it is well no one's been killed tonight and this is what we we find ourselves dealing with um, people don't see speeding as is one of these things that's going to end up with someone dying um, unfortunately during our careers we've uh, we've seen that all too, all too many times and people have ended up being seriously injured or killed as a result of inappropriate use of the speed limits alex mcneil is also part of the road safety team and has been checking drivers speed in another part of the county so we're driving along the ashton way 228 at westbourne in towards kings hill and um, a van overtook us we were doing 50 mile an hour in a 50 mile an hour zone. He came past us, so operated the Provida equipment and recorded his speed and an average of 69 miles an hour in the 50 mile an hour zone. So we pulled him over, I've spoken to him, and his first thing he says was, sorry mate, sorry mate, I was going too fast, I need a wee. I said, right, okay. I said, you need a wee, but you're speeding along that road, 70 mile an hour, it's rush hour, there's people queued up there, coming from work, 
you hit one of those, you're going to cause a big accident, aren't you? He said, yeah, I agree, yeah, he totally, you know, I agree with you, what you're saying there. He seemed quite remorseful. He seemed to sort of take it on the chin, so to speak. Um, and hopefully he's learned his lesson. Later on in his shift, this happened. We were driving back down the Ashton Way uh, at West Morning and um, came to the lights and ahead of us was an electric um, Jaguar, which then shot off on the green light and was out of our sight initially. Um, Steve operated the Breed equipment and recorded him an average of 74 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour zone. So we've pulled him over and spoken to him. Um, and he's in a rush because he's due at his daughter's parents' evening. Now, he hasn't got any points, never been stopped before for speeding. Was aware that police operate on that bit of road, but figured that because it's empty, no one's ahead of him, it was quite safe to exceed the speed limit. I've obviously advised him that that isn't the case, and he'll be receiving um, paperwork through the post in due course, and potentially receive three points and a fine. Dave Crompton is an inspector for roads policing at Kent Police. He says they're doing all they can to raise awareness about the dangers of speeding. We work with partners for not just enforcement that the police does, but we work with education, we work with engagement to understand why people do this. And I think you know a lot of the feedback we get is people don't realise the consequences or people do think that our speed enforcement is just um, to make revenue, which isn't the case. It is about safety, but people are blind to that, they don't realise until it, it's happened to them or someone they know, they just don't take the, the severity of, of speeding and the situations that it can cause. What would you say to somebody who was speeding or perhaps repeatedly speeding, um, if you sort of put a message out there, what would you say to those that are speeding? My message again is stick to the speed limit and yeah, speed kills and it's incrementally different. The, the, the faster you go, the more damage you cause. It's it's an obvious thing to say, but people don't appreciate that. Even adjusting your speed by five or ten mile an hour will reduce the, the injury quite a lot. Kent Online News. A sitting-born man who lost his dad, granddad, cousin and baby son in the space of years is urging more people to talk about mental health. Kai Dadswell says he struggled to let his emotions out while going through so much grief. After ending up in hospital, he's now recovering and has released a music video to show how important it is to open up. He's been sharing his story with Kent Online. Three years ago, um, my father and my grandfather passed within three months of each other. Um, father had heart failure, granddad had asbestosis, so they, they kind of knew that they were on limited time anyway. Um, but the situation being was granddad found out he had the asbestosis and then a couple of months down the line, dad started becoming bed bound with his heart failure. Uh, but then all of a sudden dad passed away. Um, it, it was quite a hard time at the time. Um, and then I found out I was going to be a dad and we've been trying for many, many years before that. Nothing had ever happened, so we felt like, oh, here we go, it's a final gift. Ended up telling Grandad. He he was ecstatic, but he never got the chance to see him. Um, so that that was something that hit home for me first. And then we carried on going forwards. Two years later, found out I'm going to be a father again with another baby. But unfortunately, um, little Caleb, bless his heart, uh, he was born with a metabolic disease called NKH, and that consequently gave us I think it was like nine or ten days of him um, and they said there was nothing and you just slowly had to watch him deteriorate last year was the first year without him unfortunately um, and then we had another tragedy as well um, we had my younger cousin who was 19 at the time um, she passed away from a, a thing called AVM which is an arterovenous mal malformation um, it's a tangle of blood vessels that regularly uh, connects I think it's arteries and veins 
and shed that in the brain. But when you read up about it, it says that she should last for like 70 years. Like that's, that's a life expectancy. And it took about 19. It's been, a, been a, a very destroying couple of years. But the whole point of the music video was when everyone was going through all of that, I, I don't really let out any emotions. I don't go down that route because for some reason, naturally, I just can't. But I do in my own time. Um, so it got to about Christmas time and me and my pal Joe, we, we sat there and we were just sitting and thinking the last couple of years have been awful. And this song really resonated because you listen to the words, like the, the meaning behind the words um, that Chris Isaac wrote are completely different to how we took them. So we did the cover and we were like, wow, this is, this is good. Like this is, it's keeping my ears interested. And I was like, okay. But then let's, let's do a music video. You can see the video in the story on our website. Kent Online News. Highways bosses have promised to clean up the verge of the A249 after it was described as a third world squatter camp. Motorists say the stretch between Sittingbourne and Maidstone is littered with plastic bottles and other rubbish. The clean-up from the Grovehurst roundabout to the Stockbury roundabout is scheduled for February the 12th. The Asda in Swanley has agreed to add wheel-locking technology to their trolleys after hundreds were being abandoned. Nearly 250 50 were dumped in and around the area in less than a month. The majority of those were from Asda. Landowners have been ordered to remove an unauthorised scrapyard near Gillingham. Inspectors visited the site off Hempstead Road last October. They found illegal waste and buildings. One residential caravan will be allowed to stay. The top floor of a car park in Ashford could be removed as bosses try to find a way for it to reopen. The Park Mall car park closed last August due to stalactites on the ceiling and attempts to remove them have failed. Council say they're now considering turning it into one ground-level open-air facility. A Medway man's described the moment he was almost crushed by a tree that came crashing down in strong winds. I was coming back from the field with my sister-in-law and um, I got halfway down Vicarage Lane and my sister-in-law stopped to pick up a dog's mess and I was about five or six foot in front of her. Uh, when I heard a crackling from the right-hand side of me, directly beside me, and then the tree just came down. Within five seconds, it was on the floor and uh, the branches hit me all over the edge. And as I was backing up from it, uh, the live cables was wrapped around me as well. And, and that was it. Uh, luckily enough, I pulled the dog from underneath the tree. The tree didn't actually hit the floor. It was about two foot off of it. Um, and that's about it, really. Yeah. And um, I mean, a lot of residents feel quite angry about, you know, the fact that nothing was done. You walk through here quite a lot. I mean, what what do you think the council should have done? Um, well, acted on on the, the neighbours' <coughs> wishes, basically. The tree was apparently rotten, so it should have came down. If someone was coming through in a wheelchair, they wouldn't be speaking to you now. Put it that way. Yeah, and do you think you've had a, quite a close call as well yourself? It, it missed me by about two foot, uh, a forty foot long and about four foot wide trunk i suppose i have yeah and what um I, I know you came away you were a bit shocked but what sort of injuries did you do you have it was just all the um the smaller branches uh, they was they was whipping around my head and my shoulders and um it was mainly shock and then the electric cables were wrapped around me it was pure shock so i sat down on a, a brick wall sort of thing just to compose myself before I could do anything else. Um, and what's your dog's name and age? Blossom. Tell me a bit about her reaction as well. Well, I had her on a, I've always got her on a short lead because she's quite energetic. And um, 
unintentionally, I didn't know what I was doing. I was pulling her out with me. And because she would have been underneath the tree when it hit the floor. Um, and when we sat down, she just sat beside me. I think she was as stunned as I was. She's not normally like that, you know. That's Shane Wright, who was walking along Vicarage Lane in Upper Stoke when it happened during Storm Isha. It's claimed residents had raised concerns about the horse chestnut tree three years earlier. They're now worried others could come down in bad weather. The council's been contacted for a comment. Kent Online News. Work is about to begin on the revamp of a former Christian holiday camp in Hearn Bay. Developers will overhaul the complex and turn it into a care home with its own restaurant and bungalows. The site off Parsonage Road was abandoned in 2008. The new landlady of a pub in Maidstone says she was born and bred for the job. 22-year-old Tallulah Rennie will take over the old house and home in Pudding Lane from her parents who are retiring today. She says she'll keep the day-to-day running mostly the same but with her own little twist. At Kent Online, you can see pictures of two motorists in Folkestone who've been ridiculed online over their parking. The cars were outside the white lines when they were parked at the Sainsbury's in the town centre. Someone snapped their picture and posted on a Facebook group which shames bad parking, but some have been quick to defend the drivers who suggest it's the white lines that are painted at the wrong angle rather than lazy parking. It sparked a bit of a debate. You can have your say at Kent Online. And ahead of the start of the new season of The Apprentice tonight, two past contestants from Kent have been telling us about their experience on the show. Stephanie Affleck made it to the semi-final two years ago but failed to impress during the interviews. But the 30-year-old says her Swanley-based pre-loved designer wear for babies business was given a boost just by her being on the show. Regular viewers will also remember Felipe Alvia Bacuero, who was famously booted from the boardroom for presenting Lord Sugar with a paper skeleton in the scavenger hunt task. The King's Hill brain behind Tiny Town says for him it was less about being on the telly and more about encouraging other young people to look at entrepreneurship. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get the details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.